What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It is Monday, and you know what that means. We are talking about the modern-day marketer. Yes, this is the 10th episode on the modern-day marketer. This time, we are talking about the trait of playing the long game in everything you do. So much of activity around B2B is short-term, transactional. We share our perspective on how we're thinking about it, how we're learning from others, and we do that on this episode. If you like what we're doing over here, hit that subscribe button. We do appreciate that. Go sign up for The Juice. Go to thejuicehq.com. Enjoy a frictionless content experience. We hope you're off to a good start. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up? Welcome back to the show. Jonathan, I just went down um, before we jumped on and my wife who is on maternity leave still was watching Three Men and a Baby with Tom Selleck. Have you seen that movie before? I have not. It sounds similar though to uh, Mr. Dad, maybe. Is that a movie? Yeah, I or Mr. Mom or something. I think it's Mr. Mom. Yeah, Mr. Dad wouldn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I just I felt compelled to share that at the top as I walked downstairs. I see Tom Selleck and his mustache on the screen, and I said, "Is this three men and a baby?" And she said, "Yep." And it had probably been about twenty years since I had seen that. So, the joys of working at home and the entertainment that follows in between meetings. Yeah, Easter egg Tom Selleck appearances can't beat it. You can't. And so we're going to be talking today, this installment, this series, if you will, we're going to be talking about playing the long game. The modern day marketer plays the long game. And so let's just get into it. I think one of the things I've been hearing a lot about, and I think one of the biggest problems in just the the marketing community right now is that from what I hear marketers know that they should be providing frictionless content experiences to their audience. They know they should provide a bunch of value before they ask for a meeting, but they feel kind of stuck and they feel stuck because the playbook that got their boss's boss promoted wasn't that, wasn't that. And so I just want to get into like playing the long game, your perspective Maybe we could start here, just like as the CEO of the Juice, the you're, you have to make investments, make investments in people, make investments in just strategy. And I think we all want immediate results, but that doesn't necessarily happen and is actually highly unlikely. So I guess, how do you prepare before we dive in deep to like the marketing aspect of this? How do you prepare yourself and manage your ambition to play the long game and then coach the team on also like playing the long game too? Like what's your mindset? Yeah, great question. Uh, I'm going to say something here that makes no sense. Uh, It's a long game, but it happens very, very quickly, if that makes any sense at all. And I recognize it doesn't. And let let me try to explain that a little bit. So me and my role, because I think that's what you asked about, you know, I view a large portion of the CEO role or the executive role kind of your job is to connect dots across teams, right? So you're you're in this mode of awareness building, understanding, empathizing with different individuals, different teams within the business, connecting dots, trying to unlock problems. But then you'll hit a roadblock where it's like, okay, there's there's not something that can solve what we need solved right now, right? So you've you've spent all this time trying to address this problem, then you hit a roadblock, and then you're looking for a solution very, very quickly, right? And I am, I think you've probably gotten to know this through working with me. 
I am a quick start uh, to a fault. Um, I like to move uh, quickly. I'm okay doing fact finding along the way. I'm okay learning along the way, try to have a bias towards action, but when we're looking for a solution, so I try to do that very quickly as well. And I think that speaks to, you know, there's there's a classic statistic I was just reading up um, on it for some of our own purposes the other day, but B2B buyers, they do, it says they're 57 to 70% through their buying process before they contact sales. And so that's what I'm, I think I'm saying when, it, when it's a long game, right? Like that could happen, that 57 to 70% could happen over a year, but that last 20 to 30% where, okay, now I need a solution. I've got this awareness building that I've done maybe through content, maybe through uh, my network, through my communities, uh, through individual um, thought leaders. But then that last 30% is going to happen very quick. And I think we as B2B software companies and vendors have to be prepared to efficiently move people through that final 20 to 30%. Yes, I hear that. So what do you, so a lot of people that I think are struggling right now are those where they, you know, week over week, they hear from their boss or their boss's boss, the dreaded four words that I've heard in my career. And that's, we need more leads. I think we need more leads to a marketer is, uh, it's a difficult um, request to absorb one because it seems, it, it feels very reactionary. And then two, when someone is saying like, we need more leads to you, it's typically based on the way how marketing works or good marketing works. It's something that just doesn't happen overnight. So I know you've probably just in previous life have been on the other side of that as a marketer. Um, like what, what, what do you think about that when you hear that? And then also like from a marketing perspective, like what do you think the best way to manage that request is? Yeah. So the, the, we need more leads, right? Like based off the very classic, I, I hesitate to call it old school. Cause I think it's still, you know, almost universally adopted, but that is based off the, uh, classic funnel, right? Or pipeline, uh, assuming that how every buyer moves through a buying cycle is linear. Uh, we're going to have top of funnel content, bottom of funnel content, mid funnel content. As someone who's bought uh, software, uh, maybe guilty of buying too much software uh, throughout my career, there I've never, uh, never once come across content or been in a buying cycle where I'm like, you know what, I'm in the top of funnel right now. These are my expectations. And then I move down towards the bottom and I say, you know what, I'm in the bottom of the funnel. Like, this is what I should expect now, right? That's just not the B2B buying process. And so, you know, when, when somebody asks, do they want, they want more leads? I, you know, I, sure. Yes. Uh, I don't think like marketers happy to receive or create or be the beneficiary of more leads, whatever that means for your organization. But what everyone really wants is more results, right? Like what's what's already out there that is maybe not traditionally defined as a lead, but maybe somebody who has engaged and got, you know, halfway through your funnel and then they they ghosted you or whatever. What are you doing to re-engage those people or just get more results? I'd focus on the the outcome of those leads and the process of those leads more than just filling up your uh, top of funnel constantly. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think one of the things that you know I think is a 
just in playing the long game, uh, the focus really should be about establishing kind of your the intention regarding your content and your content strategy. And is there short game content versus long game content? Absolutely. But I think the the one thing that uh, we run into is just putting everything in a, in the same box. And when you've got somebody who's really hungry and uh, someone who is ready to build out a content strategy with inside their organization, because they know that'll help build and develop organic growth over time, they're not necessarily equipped to execute on that. And then the person leaves, the next person comes in and falls victim of the kind of the same repetition from management. Yeah, it's a conversation you and I were even talking a little bit about on the juice side of things this morning, you know, and I think it applies very heavily to content as well Is are you a vitamin or are you a painkiller, right? And I think content can serve both purposes. Your, your content can be a vitamin. It can help educate uh, potential buyers or your market or your, your analysts, you know, kind of your, your space, or are you a painkiller? There's a very specific problem. I need a painkiller to solve that pain. Um, I think you can write content specifically for that as well. So I think it's all about finding that balance between, okay, this is, you know, educational. It's probably influencing people, even though we don't know who those people are yet. And we have to be patient with that, just like we are when we take vitamins and some of the benefits of vitamins. And also balancing that with the painkiller content that solves a problem when somebody's looking for a very specific solution, uh, they're going to find you based off of that content as well. So, so let's get back to that point you made about just like what percentage did you say of people's minds already made up when they're going to evaluate so software? The, the statistic that I um, referenced was B2B buyers are 70% through their buying process before contacting sales. So we always assume our, or our, our prospects are at you know, 0 to 10% when they hit your funnel or maybe zero to 20%. In reality, they've probably done 70% of their research. They're probably much closer to making a decision than you realize. And I think sometimes we as marketers and salespeople muck up that last 20 to 30% with what we think the process should be uh, when really uh, we've got an opportunity to accelerate that last 30%. So, so what you're suggesting maybe is that we shouldn't put every potential buyer that comes into our sales cycle through the same rigmarole that we're so used to about like, this is, this is who we are. Like they probably already know who we are based on their own research. Is that kind of what you're suggesting? Exactly. Yeah. They've, they've, they've already moved through your funnel. They just haven't filled out your form or became a lead as you traditionally define it. They've probably likely already narrowed down the potential vendors to two or three, or maybe it's you or no decision. Um, and they're ready to move quick. So how can you actually make that 30%, that last 30% more efficient? This is what I was talking about earlier when I said it's a long game, but it happens very quickly. The, the actual 30% of the t- purchasing decision that they spend with you will happen very quickly, but everything you've done, you know, that maybe didn't create a lead or didn't generate a Salesforce activity or a HubSpot activity, but it was high quality content that built awareness, that built affinity, and now they're ready to move with your brand. I think we just, we, we, we make it overcomplicated on ourselves, on our buyers, uh, more so than it needs to be far too often. So I think this gets me now as the marketer to think about 
okay, well, what can I be like? I'm optimizing my time to, and there's a lot of unknown here, but it's, if that is true, then I want to optimize my time to make sure that the company or the brand that I'm working for is not only in the hemisphere of the, the right individual, but then when the, the individual comes within my brand, whether it's through content, whether it's at an event, whether it's, you know, you name it, that there is a, there's a positive light shed and a positive connection. And I think what's difficult about B2B marketers based on what, where we've been is that we have a hard time uh, dedicating time to doing things that we can't necessarily track. And so by doing this podcast, like we can, I can, I cannot like on Monday, you could not ask me, Brett, give me a report of everybody and all the brands that fit within our ICP that listen to our podcast this day. I, I couldn't do it. That data is not available to me. However, like I have confidence that if we continue to do this show and provide value, more people will listen, more people will tell their friends, and then more people ultimately will end up signing up, signing up to become a member of the juice because that that's how I want, that's how I'm introduced to brands and going to be 2022. So I think it's like that suspend as the marketer suspending a little bit of control to, to like, and focusing in on things that how you'd want to be treated with brands. But I think it's just, a, it's a challenge and it's a challenge that a lot of marketers are kind of battling every day. It goes, back to some of the very early conversations we had on this podcast and like, is content marketing a demand activity or a brand activity? And I think the answer is both depending on the circumstance, but you mentioned podcasts. I think you also just very briefly mentioned like a trade show or an event. Like I know those have had a, a turbulent couple of years, but like how many times have you maybe been at an event, walked by a booth and thought, oh, that brand's cool. Like that's a solution that uh, I don't need right now, but like that's a cool brand. And then, you know, six months, 12 months, 18 months later, sure enough, your business needs a solution. And the first people you reach out to is that brand, right? And it's like that, like when you walked by that booth, there wasn't a uh, lead qualified or created or anything, but like there was a brand. I think that's the, the brand example that uh, made an impact and led to that um kind of you getting into that last 30% we talked about. I was like, all right, this brand, like just built some trust, built some affinity. I'm ready to go. I've got the pain now and I'm just looking for a very specific solution. Um, I think that, you know, trickles right into content. Like you mentioned a podcast, but I think, you know, regardless of content format, is your brand, is your content, you know, a brand activity is a demand activity. And I, I think that's the challenge that so many content marketers face is, uh, it needs to be a little bit of both, but sometimes it's solely placed as a brand activity. Sometimes it's solely placed as a demand activity when in reality, it's always a little bit of both. So I, I view the connection point, and this is something we've been talking about internally. And I think a lot of marketers do this wrong. And I'm raising my hand. I've been guilty of this in the past is you write this blog post that is like value, narrative driven, get people, inspire people to think. And at the end of your blog post, you put like, click here to request a demo of our product. It'll take 15 minutes or whatever. It's like, I can't ever remember a time where I finished a piece of content and I wanted to go see product. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm the only one there, but I do think like there are, there's value with calls to action. Like 
I have been a demand gen marketer. I've been a brand marketer in both roles. I've, I've always used calls to action, but I think it's like, what is that call to action? And I think thinking more diligently and spending more time, if you're creating that content to think about like, like what is the content or what is the call to action that I can apply to this piece of content to get people further along in that process, knowing that you're just giving them further research or you're just taking them to their the newsletter and keep continuing that relationship. Like that's how I would just recommend to anyone listening is just the marketer. It's like, don't necessarily, when you put call to action on there, it doesn't have to be like, go talk to a salesperson and check out your product. But if you feel confident in co- around the content that you're building and you've got something outside of blogs, like send people to your newsletter, send people to your podcast. Uh, that's really, I think, how you stay in front of them so that when they are ready to buy, they know who the people are behind uh, the microphone or on the YouTube channel or behind the copy. And they feel more comfortable with, you know, trust has been established and they feel more comfortable getting in a sales process with your brand. Right. I think you, I mean, I would agree with you. I don't think it's maybe happened, but like, I'm not reading a blog post and hitting a, a CTA at the bottom of the blog post, but I would guarantee we've both read blog posts completely unidentified uh, to that brand or the author of that blog post, and then come back to that brand to purchase from at a later date because that blog resonated with us or uh, we just continued that relationship with that brand. And that's where it's like, you know, what are we doing trying to like create a blog reader into a lead? Um, this is, it's just, it's not, it's not reality. Um, and I understand like some people have to measure some of those things, but that's not the B2B buying process. And I think we all know that. And it's, uh, all about finding a better, uh, way for both B2B vendors and B2B buyers. So I know you're the, and maybe we close it out with this. I know you're a, you're an analytical guy. You, you like numbers, you like tracking. Um, if, if, my thought process is continue to do these brand building activities, get people into the podcast stream, get people into the newsletter stream, get people into whatever stream is next. And that's what I think is the best form of marketing. Although it might be more difficult to track, like do do we as B2B marketers need to consider like a, a new, a new way to track like success if, if the power is in the buyer and if what we, what we were tracking, you know, five years ago seems a little irrelevant based on the new tactics and things that we're driving, like, do we need to rethink this? Is that too much? Like, how are you thinking about it? Um, it's a good question. I think maybe part of what is driving the product led growth uh, popularity is that like good product and happy customers are maybe the best forms of marketing. And so the, the better you can, the more you can get good product in the hands of potential customers and happy customers talking to potential customers, the better off you'll be. I think, and we, you and I might be uh, both a little bit more susceptible to this, but I think people can see through marketing that's not done well. So I, I think it's about creating genuine, authentic content and partnering with the right people or the right product on that. And I think, I forget who it was, but the, the best marketing doesn't feel like marketing, right? You're not engaging with it saying, oh, this is an awesome piece of marketing. You're saying, oh, this is a really cool story or this is a really serious problem or these people seem to be really enjoying this, right? You're not engaging with it because it's marketing. You're engaging with it because it's something else 
that ultimately will lead you back to that brand. I love it. And, and final words here, because um, I think this is important to leave the audience thinking about something because they might be in this position of just feeling stuck. And we're going to just turn this into a hypothetical. And the hypothetical is I am putting up marketing forms and running these same campaigns and operating like a B2B marketer in 2015. And I'm tired of doing this because although we're getting leads, I can see that they're not converting and they're wasting a bunch of time, but leads are what I'm measured on. So you're the CEO and I'm tired of running this playbook because I don't think it's going to help us out long-term. And I'd rather be focusing in on these long-term brand building activities that take time. What would you, how would you suggest the best way to have that conversation with you would be in order to make that change? I would do, and I actually did this uh, in a previous role. I would go, you know, get your top 10 best customers. That could be largest contract. That could be happiest customers. That could be best like brand partners. I'd go find your top 10 customers and figure out how they bought your product um, and just reverse engineer that process. Um, figure out what channels they came through, uh, what was their initial introduction to your brand, um, what was their buying process like. And I would guess that you'll find some trends and then I would double down on those trends and move resources away from things that aren't those trends. And um, like I said, just double down on what's worked to get you your best customers to this point. And it could, I mean, it could very well be, maybe it is lead generation, right? Maybe it is a content syndication program, but I would feel confident that more often than not, it's going to be something that wasn't your traditional pipeline or your traditional funnel. It's going to be, they knew somebody who knew somebody, they saw you at an event, they engaged with a piece of your content and came back at a later date. But I'd reverse engineer those top customers and then uh, double down on what's worked in the past. What I like about that recommendation, it forces the marketer to talk to customers. And typically when you're scrambling, that's where the answers are. They're all in those customers. Awesome stuff. Jonathan, any closing remarks? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I really enjoyed this topic and uh, continuing on these traits. And uh, I'll let you get back to Tom Selleck and Three Guys and a Baby or whatever that movie was. I, I think I got uh, about two minutes before our next meeting. So I'll go see what uh, Tom Selleck is up to. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Brett. I have been having so much fun learning from others this year about how they are thinking about playing the long game with their content, with their marketing strategy. The more I lean into that, the more rewarded I get on the other side of it. Patience, it works, but also make sure you're consistent. Thank you so much for listening to the 3C Podcast. We do appreciate your support. Of course, we've got another episode coming back at you on Friday with the content person that matters. Take care.